What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. Happy Turkey Week. It's here. Thanksgiving is obviously awesome. My favorite holiday, Pat, is actually Thanksgiving. Favorite I'm a huge holiday. Thanksgiving fan. Wow, yeah. that's big. That's big. I love it. And Battle for Atlantis Week. Oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, this Thanksgiving Hoops Week is un rivaled i it's think even this year. even the matchups this week are insane like monday tuesday i mean as opposed to wednesday thursday friday saturday there is so much good basketball going on villanova's coming off of a great win they got a huge matchup coming up we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today but first i think we should talk about our weekends a little bit because you and i personally are coming off some fun things too oh they were they were big weekends you know you you talk about all the sports going on and there's a ton i mean this feast week like just let's take a step back here before we get into things you've got maui going on right now as we record this on monday that has a chunk of the top teams in the country actually as we record this i've got uh purdue and gonzaga um on off to the side here uh marquette and ucla later tonight kansas in that field of course you've got battle for atlantis you've got yukon and texas playing Mm -hmm. later tonight you've got michigan state and arizona playing on thanksgiving day of course you've got atlantis with villanova later in the week you've got chiefs eagles on monday night which is a big deal especially on my neck of the woods right now you've got the first ever black friday game you've got the last regular season saturday and college football coming up what (laughs) a week this is um and as we're talking about all those sports for me specifically uh this past weekend was still able to watch villanova maryland uh where i could but uh, i was in tennessee i was in knoxville actually for the tennessee georgia game first sec football experience and Woo, it was a little different than the pavilion there in neyland stadium i will i will (laughs) say that it was uh, it was very very cool Crowds were a little different there. Yeah, just just a bit, just a bit. And you accomplished something rather cool this weekend as well. Yes, I was in Philly. I ran the Philly half marathon on Saturday. It was so much fun. The weather was amazing. It was like 50 at it started at 7 a.m. So it was crazy early, but uh, it was still 50 degrees. So that made it so much more fun. It was super sunny by the end. And yeah, a big group of my my Nova friends came down because that was our yearly tradition to run the spring half every year that we were in school. So it was a fun weekend. And Pat, it's a big Monday night matchup for my people as well. That's true. Oh, God. Everyone's involved. No comment. And I hope everybody is taking the Travis Kelsey over. And obviously, I'm going to get slammed if this is wrong when this comes out Tuesday morning. But you know how Travis does when she's there. I don't think she's going to be there. Everything I've heard is thought she will. This is like her Super Bowl. I guess we're going to find out now. Now this yeah, is great. Will. Like, did, did she will. go? Did she not go? We'll all know on Tuesday for, or we'll all know <laughs> on Monday night. You're right. You're right. Just so you can prove me wrong in this podcast. That'd be amazing. <laughs> no, I know you love your Swifty stuff. But bottom line, there's so much good stuff going on. And I mean, I think it starts with Villanova's 57 to 40 win against Maryland and Kevin Willard at the Finn on Friday night. The first power five game in the year, the first game that Villanova really needed to get to prove itself on that national landscape. They did fall out of the top 25 because of that lost pen earlier mm-hmm. in the week, but 57 to 40. I mean, you and I both expected this to be a low scoring game, but I don't think we expected Maryland to have 15 points in the first half. Defense showed up at the beginning to say the least. What a weird game um, <laughs> to, to, to watch. Uh, it wasn't always pretty at times. I'm looking at you second half and especially the final 10 minutes of that second half. But 
Villanova did what they needed to do. They got a very important win to kind of stabilize the ship uh, after that pen loss. They made a team that, you know, was ranked in the top 30 of Ken Palm going into the season look awful during the first half. And they really coasted to this win where the intensity was so ramped down in the second half it kind of felt like a scrimmage um, because of how poorly Maryland had shot coming out of the gates there. So while perfection is definitely not what we saw on Friday night at the pavilion, I don't think we were looking for perfection. We were looking for them to get back on track, do some things that they didn't do against Penn. Kyle makes some adjustments. I think all of that happened. Uh, and in the end, they wrote it out to what was a very comfortable victory. Yeah. And honestly, I think this says a ton about Maryland too. They are literally dead last in the big 10 standings right now. They're of course, struggling. Nebraska, the team we all expected to be at the top of the big 10 standings <laughs> is five and zero. Oh. So you expect that to even out a little bit, but one in three with losses to Davidson and UAB, like we talked about on the preview episode, they have not scored more than 68 points on the season yet. Villanova limited them to 19% from three, which is just within all those averages of their other three-point shooting in those three other games. So it is not looking good for this squad. They obviously can play defense at a high level, but they just do not have the offense to compete. It's it's kind of baffling to me, honestly. It's not like Seton Hall was known for its offense with Kevin Willard, but this is this is kind of unprecedented to me. Clearly, it is the curse of Akeem Hart. Uh, since yeah. the transfer out of there, <laughs> things have gone downhill for for the Terps and for for Kevin Willard. I mean, Willard even said it after the the press conference or after the game in the press conference. He's searching and he's not finding answers right now for what's going on with Maryland. And you can see how incised he is with everything that's going on there. This was a team that we said it multiple times through this point on shows was picked third in the Big Ten. You know, behind Michigan State and Purdue, two real Final Four contenders that a lot of people look at it. And Maryland has struggled so badly out of the gate. They've fallen from that top 30 ranking to, I believe they're 56th right now uh, in Ken Palm. And, and a lot of that has to do with just offensively, they cannot find any sort of a rhythm. That was exactly what you saw, especially in that first half there on Monday or on Friday night. Um, Maryland could not come close to scoring. Uh, they shot four for 27 in the first half. You, you heard that correctly. Um, they missed they were two for 14 from beyond the arc, uh, and they had as many turnovers as field goals entering the break. Yeah, that that's if you're looking for why Villanova win this game, I think we can wrap this pod up there. Yeah, I mean, if it had happened to Villanova, this is kind of what we said on the pen episode. Like, don't over don't overcomplicate it. They just sucked on offense. It's horrible. <laughs> it, and you're going to have to take the lead on this game recap because I wasn't able to watch this game live, but I was interested to see through highlights and was interested to hear your your takes on the different defensive looks that both mm -hmm. teams threw out there because Nova was applying some full court pressure to start which I like they did get burned a few times but I like the different looks period Maryland had a 2-3 zone for a couple of sets a little bit they yeah. used double teams that was challenging Villanova's offense to find cutters underneath the basket but do you have any thoughts there on how the defense is set up at least in the the first half or so uh, a lot of it goes with the personnel, and it was two things that we had called for in our frustration coming out of Monday night was, hey, you know, Lance Ware and Hakeem Hart didn't really play much. What's going on there? And then Ware comes out and plays 15 minutes, and Hakeem Hart plays 24 minutes. Ware, I thought, did a decent job at holding things down in the paint and giving them some rim protection there, which we know is going to be really important for him. Hakeem Hart, while it wasn't a great shooting night by any means, 
going two for six. He pitched in seven points. He got those rebounds. He had a nice steal to start a fast break. He kind of did it all, which is what Hakeem Hart is going to do here. When, when you look at the transfers too, I just mentioned two of them. Uh, of course, Tyler Burton and TJ Bamba also involved to make it four, and those transfers scored the first 11 points of the game for Villanova as well, really making an impact out the gate. Uh, I, I think that playing those guys a little bit more helped out with the versatility. I like the sets I saw a little bit better. Uh, the guys weren't getting beaten off of screens and switching as slow as they were against Penn, which was a major issue uh, on Monday when uh, when they did play Penn. Listen, it wasn't that it was the 85 Bears out there to use a football <laughs> reference for, for Villanova defense against Maryland. Maryland just couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, but I thought the Cats put themselves in a better opportunity or better position to come out on top and force some more difficult shots and force turnovers, which they were able to do uh, to kind of at least uh, Maryland wasn't helping themselves, but Villan Villanova certainly didn't help Maryland kind of make up for the poor shooting they were in. No, and that's huge for those two guys, especially where and Hart to be comfortable being the first set of subs coming off of the bench, pitching in big minutes and giving the team those quality bench minutes. And something I actually, it literally just popped into my head because I don't think we've talked about it yet this year. And it's obviously been a huge theme in years prior. It doesn't really feel like Villanova's slow starts has been as much of a theme this season. Yes, they only scored 57 points in this mm. game, so you can you can wonder if that's a uh, an option here or an excuse maybe. But I mean, it doesn't feel like in any of these other games the offense has been the issue. We know that it's been the defense and keeping up with the opposing teams, but I think it also just helped. Yes, their defense wasn't as locked down as the Bears, like you said. But because they were able to get stops, they were they were able to set their offense. It feels like yep. Mark Armstrong was able to drive to the basket. TJ Bamba was really setting up plays from the top of the key. Tyler Burton had a quick trigger. Hawson obviously took a bunch of shots. It, it opened the playbook for them because they were able to get stops. And maybe that was more reactionary to Monday night because it was coming off of a pen game where they didn't do that at all. But it's nice that the defense was able to turn into offense so early on. I think it was really important that Villanova got off to a fast start in this game. In the first 10 minutes against Penn, Nova had nine points. In the first yeah. 10 minutes against Maryland, Villanova had 23 points. That's the most points they've had in the first 10 minutes of a game thus far this season. And it was really important to hit the ground running after what was such a struggle. Uh, what helped ignited them, too, was Tyler Burton was really hot uh, to, to start things off. I, I think Burton was, for me, he was the player of the game. In this one for Villanova was very aggressive from the start, found ways to get to the free throw line, you know, hit a couple of big threes to one at the start of the second half and one really early um, as this game went on. Rebounding continued to be really uh, a strength of his in there. And I was very, very impressed uh, with what I saw from Tyler Burton. Uh, actually, at one point, Burton was um, outscoring Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> as a team uh just to kind of show the the type of performance not only that he had uh but that that maryland really did and if you look at this villanova offense as a whole you know they went into halftime leading 39 to 15 they made 30 13 of their 21 shots they hit six threes um this was just night and day from what we saw against penn and while the script kind of flipped a little bit there in the second half. Uh, they they really did enough in the first half where they were able to coast uh, in those final 20 minutes. 
Right. And you don't love the 57 total, but they shot nearly 39% from three. Like yeah. the, the weaknesses that need to, that needed to be addressed are being addressed. This team is drastically improving from three. It's up to 35% now. And it's not just Brennan Hawson, who we all knew was the big no. returning, yeah. returning three point shooter or Justin Moore, honestly, to that, to that same degree. Um, so my question is, was Eric Dixon obviously had seven points. I wasn't able to watch this live and it's obviously hard to pick it up from highlights because it's selective highlights. Uh, was Dixon as out of the picture on offense as it seemed like his box score provided? He was quiet. Uh, he's been quiet the last or a decent chunk of the season now. I think it's fair to say yeah. it hasn't been the best start for Eric this year, which I think is pretty surprising um, based off of the fantastic season he's had. I mean, his season high is 15 against American so far, which is a very healthy number was scoreless against Lemoyne had 12 points against Penn, but really wasn't involved on offense. We were talking about how we wanted to have, see him have more touches in the paint. And then you had just mentioned his, um, you know, performance here uh, against Maryland. He touched the ball a decent amount. Uh, I think Maryland really went into this knowing that they wanted to stop Eric Dixon, but it was it was pretty quiet from him. Uh, he still touched the ball around the perimeter a little more than I'd like to see it. He did step into one three that he was able to make. He had probably two or three more opportunities where he could have put up a three, um, but but chose against it. Turnovers are definitely an issue for him. He had the second most um, of any Villanova on Friday night. Nova had 17 as a team. Uh, mm. which is way too many and more than double uh, what they normally put up uh, in a game here. So I think that was concerning, especially through the second half. But I want to see more from Eric Dixon. I need to see more from Eric Dixon as we go into Atlantis because for Villanova to get to that full potential, and I think we both still really believe in this team, despite the disaster that happened at the Palestra uh, about seven days ago, uh, Eric Dixon's got to be one of the focal points here. And he just, he, he has struggled to come into that thus far this season. And we know it's in him from all the past performance. Right. And I, I wonder what the the mindset is from him because it is so surprising. And there are obviously so many more weapons around him this year than there were last year. And he was the guy last year. So I wonder if it's him just adjusting to his role without having to carry the entire offense on his back. But I think the frustrating frustrating thing to watch for us and of course for him in it is that that doesn't mean that the team needs him any less or that he can't sure. be part of that offense. This team we've talked about it a million times now can run through its front court and he can still be a primary scorer and, and a huge part of this offense. So it's interesting. I wonder, we know that Villanova is not going to really run any plays for him or design plays for him to get involved. It's good that he's getting touches. He needs to be taking as many shots as he can. Cause at this point he probably just needs to see the ball go through the basket more times than not. Yeah. But yeah, I saw that seven points. And I think now, because it's been three in a row, it's something that is definitely noteworthy and a little like, hmm, I wonder if that's going to change. And if not, if, then when is that going to change as Villanova starts to get into its really tough non-conference schedule? And he's going to draw a tough matchup against Texas Tech with a, a yeah. near seven-footer uh, as well down in the paint. So the the matchups are, are not going to get any easier. What's positive is that Eric Dixon scored seven points and they found a way to get scoring from people not named Justin Moore. Right. Is, we, if we would have thought back to last year, like if Eric Dixon scored seven points, this team would have been in major trouble because they just needed him to shoulder that that burden. 
Tyler Burton comes in, scores 15. TJ Bombo, I thought, was very good in the first half, especially at that first three of the game, was able to get to the basket and show off some quickness. I uh, scored one underneath the basket, too, uh, which was probably like his third or fourth try uh, with all the rebounding with whip. I liked what I saw from TJ in there. And then Hart pitched in some points off the bench as well. So, I, again, I think it goes into the more well-rounded nature of this team versus last year, but need to see Eric continue to bring it forward um, to be more of a, a focal point. Yeah, and he w- had no problem doing that last year. And I think the fact that we're saying that now in almost every single game is just so different from last year. So that's yes. a huge, a huge plus and a huge positive. The only other thing I wanted to ask you about was the turnovers that you mentioned, 17. I don't even remember the last time Villanova even came close to that. And the concerning part and something different than what we've talked about at an earlier point in the season is that every other starter besides Bamba had at least two. Mm-hmm. There was a point, I believe it was that American game, where Villanova turned the ball over a bunch, but it was the bench guys. The five starters did a really good job of keeping the ball secure. Not the case. Was this because by the second half, the intensity had just kind of fizzled out entirely? I think that was a big part of it. Was I, I, And it's it's always difficult to question guys' focus for it, but it's really difficult to stay fully locked in when you're up 39 to 15 at half and the team you're facing is shooting like 3% from the field. Um, it was not pretty in the second half. Uh, and again, I had said it earlier, but really those last 10 minutes, uh, those last 10 minutes of the second half, uh, Villanova was outscored 21 to eight. So think about that. Maryland scored more than half of their point total for the entire game in the final 10 minutes uh, of this game. I think that kind of showed where things were at that point. There was certainly some sloppiness uh, that, that factored into it. I think Mark Armstrong flashed, some of that potential that we love from Mark mm-hmm. Armstrong. I mean, he had, so a, couple, explosive. He had yeah. a couple of crazy explosive moves to to get around the basket. But then you also saw the drawbacks where the turnovers came out and he led the team with five in it. So that's where I say like, uh, you know, when I, when I think back to this game, I'm not going to think of a masterpiece, but if we focus on the first half, at least you'll feel, feel really good about it. Yeah, and it wasn't close. Like no, I don't think this was a game that we was. ever thought was going to be this much of a blowout. It no. truly was never close. And I think that's impressive for Villanova to start with its first real serious opponent and, and do that. I think that's a big deal. Before a ball was dribbled this year, and it was based on just projections for all the teams, I thought that Nova was going to be in a tough spot to win this game at the yeah. pavilion when we were doing our non-conference preview. Now we went into it. We saw those first couple games and we talked about, Ooh, if Maryland has really struggled here. I think Nova's uh, got them in a spot where they're ripe for the taking. And they absolutely uh, did take advantage of that. But I think it speaks into the talent level that this Maryland team still can turn up to. I still think this can be a good team, but my God, it's been a rough start to the season. And it's just good to see Villanova capitalize on, on playing them at the right time. Yeah. They need to come to Jesus moment. And they also need, <laughs> This needs to turn into a big win for Villanova, like the opposite of Oklahoma last year. Mm-hmm. This needs to stay a Q1 win. You should root Q2 for Maryland worse. to win every game the rest of the season. Over right. Yeah. Win out. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Right, cool. Pretty much. You got anything else from this game? Last thing is that you know how much I like to try and do my first time since or last time this happens. Um so I was going through the uh, all through Ken Palm and trying to search through the uh, the years for scheduling here. And what we saw on Friday night was the first time that Villanova has allowed 40 or fewer points in a total game 
since February 9th, 2013. It has been over decade since nova allowed 40 or fewer points that game came against south florida where usf shot one for 17 from three darren hilliard uh led the wildcats in scoring that day ochefu and archidiacono also on that roster uh as well but just think about it it has been over a decade since villanova was able to hold a team to 40 or fewer points that's awesome great call there man i hope people appreciate that i mean this team struggles on defense who yeah, right. What? Best defense in the country. I'm, I'm you mentioned, actually, I meant to bring this up earlier, but you mentioned in our group chat that this is this was what the Baylor game was like. Like, just completely stifled this offense. I mean, it's insane. Flashbacks. Um, I try not to think about that game. <laughs> I was just going to say, good or bad. Yeah, probably bad. <laughs> but yes, what, what Baylor did to us a couple years ago is what Nova did to Maryland on yeah. Friday. Well, it's better to be on this side of it now. Yeah, it's more fun this way. I like this podcast yeah. better than the sky is falling show we had to do after that one. Right. Hopefully people have regressed back to the the mean. They've obviously got Texas test coming up, and this is going to be a huge test in the battle for Atlantis. So we will get into it Wednesday oh, oh, at before two... we do that. Oh, there was a special ahead. there was a special Villanova and honored in this game. Oh, that's right. We gotta talk about Mikhail on the broadcast too. I mean, the fact that they're doing so many special guest on the fs1 broadcast has been an interesting spin yeah i don't love him uh, i just want to watch the <laughs> basketball game but <laughs> i kind of agree but but mikhail was cool obviously. yes of course having bridge i still uh my tips for these producers here i don't need to see the guys talking like mm-hmm. uh, when they do the picture in picture uh I, that's cool when you're coming in from a timeout just let me hear him speak and show the game. I, no one needs to see the game minimized for for an interview going on during it. We're there to watch the basketball game. As much as I love to hear, you know, interviews that do go on during it. Let's let's just focus on that. And I'll get off my soapbox now and give it back to you. Agreed. No, I, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, the message board with Booth and Brunson and Arch and Dante. I eat that up. I love that stuff. Um, and Jay Wright, obviously, and Neptune spoke actually. But yeah, I mean, I, what an honor for him to come back. Obviously, all these guys are local now, which I think is so cool and a well-deserved honor for a guy that meant so much to this Villanova program. And I think it's also like we forget that Neptune was a huge part of the or not that we forget, but Neptune was a huge part of those teams, recruited all these mm-hmm. guys. And then for them to show out the way they did on defense, especially too on Mikhail Bridges' night, that's that's a pretty cool little moment there. Gives you some extra juice if you're the guys going yeah. out there knowing Mikhail is uh is you know everything that he accomplished at villanova and two he is that prototypical like development type player where he redshirted as a villanova freshman turned into literally an all-american two-time national champion for villanova and the julius Irvin award winner for the best small forward in the country goes in the first round of the nba draft you know has a pretty solid start to his career if not great eventually gets turned into one of the best defenders in, in all of the NBA and then signs a $100 million contract. Like yeah. that, that is your Villanova story for what you can pitch to these guys as, hey, put in your work, put in your time, give it time to develop and look what you can turn into. Uh, I was so excited to see Mikhail Bridges get his jersey retired there uh, in this game. He's one of my favorite all-time uh, Wildcats just for all the different things he was able to do and how integral he was on those Villanova teams. 
you know, you think of the iconic moments with him, like the uh, uh, diving on that loose ball against Kansas in the Elite Eight uh, to send Villanova through to the Final Four in, in 2016. All the big shots he hit as well, uh, especially against Providence uh, in the in the mm. uh, uh, Big East tournament uh, there at Madison Square Garden. What's crazy to think about now, too, is that he is the fourth 2016 Villanova Wildcat to have their jersey retired. Uh, wow. He joins Ryan Archdiakono, Josh Hart, and Jalen Brunson. That's um, insane. All have their jerseys retired. Just how great that team was, which I always look back and laugh and smile now thinking about how the knock on them going into it was there's no NBA talent. There's no transcendent mm-hmm. talent on that team. Well, that team went out and won a national championship and continues to, has put guys in the NBA and continues to put them in the pantheon here of, of Villanova greats. And not just scrubs in the NBA, like you said. Not really. Like part yeah. of the Kevin Durant deal, part of the one of the defensive players of the year like no jokes at all what you said about the prototype is literally perfect because i am sure that the guys like tyler burton go to villanova because they want to be like mikhail bridges and they want to have the same type of collegiate success and professional success that he is currently having now you see that with dante and josh hart like the list literally goes on and on it feels like every mold brunson is obviously on that list too every mold is being filled by guys that follow them so that is so cool to see uh i wish i could have been there i still haven't been there for a jersey retirement i guess arch when we we were still at school for that actually but i haven't Mm -hmm. been back since so those moments are those ceremonies are just so cool it'll happen soon i'm sure we'll get you back there for it Um, oh we'll get another one it's a blast yeah it's awesome All right, so now we're going to turn to Battle for Atlantis. Huge week. Texas Tech, an interesting team here because I remember we talked about this on the non-conference preview. Like, you hear Texas Tech, and there's obviously a lot of buzz because of that Final Four run they made a few years ago. It's not that same roster anymore. They did return a fair number of... Right. Like there's, there's so much turnover. Interim. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much turnover. And I think there is a lot to work through there, obviously, which we don't need to get into here. But there's a fair amount of returning guys. I think my biggest takeaway is that they haven't taken a huge leap to make up for some of the losses last year. Like their main guy's last name starts with an, an O. Uh Kevin Obanor. Like those 14 and a half points, those 31 minutes, it doesn't feel like there has been the leader to step up yet. They, he's got three guys averaging more than 29 minutes and 11 points, but filling that hole that Obanor left is a huge ask. And the biggest thing that Texas Tech is going to show Villanova is defense, defense, mm-hmm. defense, eighth in the country right now, according to Ken Palm and Justin D. Yeah, to, to your point about trying to fill holes here, I mean, they only returned 33% of their minutes and 28% of their scoring yeah. from last season. This this was a complete turnover. And the turnover, as we mentioned, also was with the coach with Grant McCausland coming in from North Texas, where he had done a really nice job there. Uh, it's very hard to handicap this game for Texas Tech because while we've seen Villanova go up against Maryland there, um, they have played Texas A&M Commerce, San Jose State, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, so mm-hmm. not a ton of data to go off of in, play- in teams you think are going to be dancing um, come the NCAA tournament, though San Jose State isn't dreadful. 
um, and that was a, a good win for them. Uh, I, I think to your point about defense, they held both uh, AM Commerce and San Jose State to 46 points or below. They're not a great offensive team. Uh, you're, they lost Jalen Tyson uh, after the whole Mark Adams incident. He's currently averaging actually 20 points a game at Cal right now uh, for them. So they're, they're certainly feeling that loss right now. Pop Isaacs is probably their main guy to, to try and stop and right now. He's a sophomore. He was an all big 12 freshman team member from a year and year ago, actually a lot of fun to watch uh, moves around really well, has some really fun passes and, and a range of passing opportunity or ability on top of it. But this is a team that has or can be, and, and has been many times offensively challenged here, though they are one of the best, the best defensive teams in the country Villanova has a chance where if they can get some points rolling here, that Texas Tech may not just not be able to keep up. So I, I, as difficult as a game this is, because you know Texas Tech is going to come out and try and grind you out on defense, I don't see a reason to say that Villanova cannot win this game. No, and I actually think it can follow a similar script to the way the Maryland game went. Two similar built teams focused on defense, struggling on offense, don't have a ton of... I was going to say like quantifiable size, like similar to they brought guys back, but those weren't the quality guys. They get size from Warren Washington. He obviously gives them 25 minutes and almost 10 points. He's a huge part for them. They're going to go to a lot. And they will, but otherwise it's like this, the six, six and below guards. So I don't think this is going to be a huge size disadvantage for Villanova. And I think if they can find ways to score, without relying on the three because that is what Texas Tech is going to immediately try to take away. They can run away with this game because I agree with you that I don't think Texas Tech's offense can keep up. And I just don't think they have the plethora of weapons on offense that Villanova has. I think Villanova can war by attrition win that way. It's just if they become too reliant on that three, Texas Texas Tech's perimeter defense could be what kills them. Play smart. Do you, yeah. you can't have the 17 turnovers happen again. That just that cannot happen against Texas Tech. They will exploit that and they will find ways to then get easy baskets off of it, which is what you can't allow. You need to make them earn their baskets here because they are not a team that's otherwise going to really be able to punish you. I mean, through it's three games, the sample size is tiny. They're shooting 21% from three. They're in the bottom 10 in the country in team three-point percentage right now. Their best shooter is at 33% from beyond the arc right now, which is a little below average normally. Um, and they've barely take that Kerwin Walton has barely taken any threes with it. So most of their guys that actually take them are anywhere from 17 to 25% right now. It's that bad for them from beyond the arc. So you can't allow these easy buckets and these easy opportunities for them to get to the basket. Uh, Joe Toussaint's another decent player to to keep an eye on as a scorer for them, likes to move around the perimeter and try and get to the basket, uh, throw up. He's got a nice floater game in there as well and was mentioning it there you to you as you were going through that point they are not going to be afraid to go down to warren washington uh in Mm -hmm. the paint their seven footer and have him try and score for them there uh washington is a sixth year senior on his fourth school which is incredible is that our age i mean really he's gonna be around our age if he's not our age he's a year younger probably um 
So still hanging around college basketball, going up against the likes of a, a Brendan Hawson, a true sophomore, is yeah. always interesting with the, the you know the COVID year that gets thrown into it. But obviously a very experienced player. You know he's been at Oregon State, Nevada, Arizona State, now Texas Tech. So it's not small schools. He's played in a, in a ton of you know Power Five big games there before. He's going to be a main man for them. For Eric Dixon, for Lance Ware, they just need to make sure they are not getting back down underneath the basket. They need to be able to hold their ground, keep him farther away, make him go with those shots that are more in the low post or outside low post rather than right underneath the basket because he will make Nova pay if they allow for him to get those feeds inside there. Agreed. I just looked it up. Tucson's 23 years old. He was born in 2000. I gave myself so, so much credit. So he's too I was just going to say, not not as old as us. I mean, really. Yeah, we're But I, I totally agree point. with you. And I think... The tinkering to the rotations and why Kyle Neptune has been so uh, like full sail shifts, hockey line shifts, the whole bit. I mean, they, these are the type of games where you start to lock it down. This is why you've been giving Lance Ware run for games like this when he will get his first size test. Same thing against UNC if Villanova ends up playing them deeper into the tournament. These are the tests for the front court to work up to. We saw what Eric Dixon was able to do with the size in the Big East last year. There's no reason to think he can't do the same thing this year. And then you're adding Lance Ware, his size, his rim protecting abilities into that equation. So I think that gives Villanova an advantage. I'm curious to see if there is any fluctuation in those bench minutes come this game. Cause it's still been pretty even like maybe Hart got more and Longino got less in the Maryland game. Lance Ware got more. Brendan Hawson got about the same. Armstrong is always a little bit less than some of the other starters, but this is where I'm going to start to look for trends as Villanova gets into this tough part of the schedule. And then you also have to take into account, too, that they're going to be in tournament style. So guys will not be as fresh second, third game in than they were on this Friday night game after not playing for four days. He's rolled nine or 10 deep in every single yeah. game thus far this season. The, the question is, does that continue as things tighten up here with them playing a good Texas Tech team and, you know, potentially playing a North Carolina or a UNI uh, for that second game there? So that is certainly something to watch as we go uh, into this week. And, and to your point, you know, Nova's going to play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday here. So what's the conditioning like for these guys? You feel pretty strong uh, for Villanova conditioning. Obviously, Shaq's not there anymore. But it's still there's still such a strong foundation that has been built with these guys. Let's see how they're able to to go at it with this really difficult um, test of endurance that these in season tournaments are. Yeah, I, I think it's impressive the way that Neptune has handled. I mean, I don't know if anybody has played more than thirty five minutes. It doesn't feel but, like it. He's no. split time a lot. There, I've actually seen complaints that he's subbing too much right now. That, I actually saw similar things after the pen game, obviously, when every single thing gets nitpicked. Yes. But I do feel like you do all of that so that you can have the full sample of data before you get into these type of games. I mean, because we we're not going to do anything too big on UNI or UNC, but like when the Armando Baycots come around, that's when you want Lance Ware on the floor to throw size on size. So those are the matchups I'm going to lock in on, and it only gets harder in the Big East, too. But you want Lance Ware to be averaging 15 minutes a game so that he can know what he's getting himself into. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to your point, you're you're doing this to increase your data set to know who will be who are my guys when it comes down to it. Because that, yeah. that's what this early part of the season is still trying to figure out for this team. And I think we're going to start to find that out this week with some potential big matchups looming. Yeah, and it's been really fun to monitor. I mean, the jump that Longino's made, the jump that Hausen's made, both from beyond the three-point line and just minutes in general, I felt like you and I both agreed that of all the players that were in this 9-10 person rotation, his minutes would probably wane the fastest, and he had the second most off the bench against Maryland. So he's he's playing minutes. He's playing quality minutes, and I think it's good to, to keep that in mind about Yes, Villanova wants to win every game each night, but it's also about the development. Going back to the conversation mm-hmm. we were just having about Bridges, like these guys are developing into their roles and that's bringing success on the court right now and setting them up more in the future. I like Jordan a lot and I think he's going to play a lot uh, this yeah, season, agreed. Um, especially as a defensive piece. Yeah, and the offensive leap is big and I think it's evident too. Uh, you have anything else on... Texas Tech or UNC quickly, obviously no disrespect to UNI, but assuming UNC can pull that one out. Uh, not much just for, for UNC, very similar to Texas Tech uh, in that it's hard to handicap them. They've played Radford Lehigh and U, uh, UC Riverside thus far this season. So not, not a lot to go off of. Uh, Brian Antoine had 13 points against them in that Radford game that UNC did end up winning. Uh, you know, you mentioned it there, which is Nova side of the bracket here is Texas Tech, UNC, and UNI. Just to look at the other side of the bracket, you've got Michigan, Memphis, Arkansas, and Stanford. So a really healthy field here in Atlantis. And as we mentioned at the, the top of the show, is just a phenomenal feast week here. Uh, I'm really, really pumped for it to uh, to get underway. And it all starts at noon on Wednesday with that UNC game and then Villanova second up on Wednesday right now slated for 2.30 Eastern. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All these names is so good too. And there's just going to be so many big names, big players, like big time slots. It's so much fun. This is when you just sit on the couch for eight hours straight and eat and watch basketball. That sounds I mean, that's pretty good pretty to me. pretty much my plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I I beg for the Villanova versus Memphis championship game to get Nova versus Javon Quinterly. That's all. That'd I be want. cool. That's all yeah. I want. His what seventh team? Sixtieth. Uh, um, oh but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it is actually his fourth. Arizona, his fourth. Villanova, yeah. Alabama, and now Memphis. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Where is he now? But no, it's going to be an awesome week. I think Villanova is coming off of a lot of momentum, and you know how much I believe in momentum, into a big tournament that they've won before, that they love playing in. It's familiar. Go out and do it and and get out a little run here before you welcome some teams back to the fin after Thanksgiving break. Yeah, because it goes straight into big five play there again yeah. with St. Joe's and what's a very important game where Villanova is going to have to win that game if they want to play in the title game of the big five Uh the new big five format. Otherwise they will be playing in that last place game. So big, big swing game there uh, against a, uh, a local rival coming out of this tournament. Yeah. Kentucky's playing St. Joe's now as we speak, it's close. They are. And I think St. Joe's yeah. hanging in last I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Be St. Fun. Joe's tough. We talked about it. They are not a pushover. No, not at all. That was the, that's the game I'm circling. I really think that can be, there can be a lot going on there. Lots to take, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got not some good games coming up this week too. We got a big 
week this week we've got three villanova games coming up and i think we can all just hope that it goes a lot better than the last time we had an in-season tournament uh from a year ago great disaster out (laughs) in portland but this team is much better equipped to deal with the challenges that one of these tournaments do give you um two other notes that i I know we want to call out here before we wrap up and this will be our only episode of the week with it being thanksgiving week as is tradition here on state of the nova nation um lucy olson goes out for the Villanova women and scores 40 points in the home opener, a win over Temple 90 to 62. Uh, You know, Maddie Segrist, of course, was the absolute superstar for Denise Dillon's squad from a year ago. Number three overall pick in the WNBA draft. Uh, kind of overshadowed at times what Lucy Olson was able to do at the point guard position. This is now Lucy Olson's team and my God, it's going to be fun. And we saw mm. some flashes of that really here over the weekend on Sunday where she dropped 40 uh, at the pavilion. Lucy Olson is an absolute stud. If you have not seen her play in person, please go out and do it. It is an absolute joy, not only because of how talented it, as she is, but she is literally smiling at all times yeah. as well. She is such a happy person. Uh, we are big Lucy Olson fans on the show and it was great to see her do that. I was just going to say, it looks like she's having so much fun. The only thing I have to add is that Tommy Godin did a phenomenal feature on her. I believe it's on VU Hoops about everything you said. Like This was Maddie Seeker's team last year. She got all of the fanfare and the national attention for obvious reasons. But that team also could not have gotten as far as it did had Lucy Olsen not had the year she had. So now she's stepping up into the spotlight this year. It's obviously not hurting her chances this year at all to get to that same type of level so awesome. We hope for the same sort of success this year for the women's team as they had last year because, God, Dylan is a phenomenal coach. They've got some really talented players around them. Seagrass's void is not something that is filled by one player or even two or three, but Lucy's doing the best she can. So far, she's doing pretty well. And, and shout out uh, Christina Dolce as well, who I believe put up 18 rebounds in that game. Yeah, against it's Temple. So it's a really fun team. I know I always try and get out to the women's games when I can as well. They're at the pavilion and uh, I implore anyone else I can to do it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Other note to Villanova football beat Delaware in the battle of the blue to take home the CAA title and lock in a spot and a buy in the FCF playoffs. Uh, They will host the winner of Duquesne and Youngstown State at Villanova on December 2nd. So the Cats in football also having a really good season. Uh, They are the eight seed in the bracket. They do get a bye in a home game. Uh, Another really nice season for Mark Ferrante, who has done such a nice job uh, coming in with this program after Andy Talley retired, takes home another conference title here and Nova back in the playoffs. I was going to say, they, they are on a little bit of a roll, Pat. You know more than me. I don't follow Villanova football that closely. But it seems like they're putting together good year after good year. Like, really, really solid play. They've ripped off a really good stretch here to close out the season. They they are dangerous. Uh, they should be favored there against Duquesne or Youngstown State. The problem is that they uh, they were seeded up against potentially number one seeded uh, South Dakota State in what would be a quarterfinal matchup. But, hey. You'll worry about that if you get when you there. get there. Yeah. So uh, we will take where they are right now and really, really awesome. And uh, can't wait to follow along with that one on December 2nd. All the good things. All the so good things. So much going things. on on December 2nd as well. Wow. Oh, yeah. You could say that. You could say <laughs> that too. Um, that's pretty much everything I had to go through. Is there anything else you want yeah. to Yeah. No, same here. So, so much good stuff. So much fun. Villanova in general, things to watch. And, We'll be back next week for the uh, Battle of Atlantis recap, which is one of my favorite episodes of the year, honestly. 
Assuming yeah. things go well, I should yeah. say. Assuming it doesn't turn out like Portland last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, should, it should be fun. But All right. That'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Uh, subscribe to the show. Leave a rating as well. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Nova Nation. Thank you so much for listening to us and you know making us a part of your routine. We absolutely love and appreciate the time that you give to us, and we have a blast doing this for you guys. Hope it's a big week for the Cats as they do travel down to Atlantis to put on a good showing for Thanksgiving. Happy Feast Week, everybody. We will be back at it on Tuesday. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.